1: Welcome to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. I am Dr. Ann Shebridge, a licensed psychologist in Northern California. It's too dark out here now to say if it's sunny or not, but it was sunny yesterday, so sunny California. In case you're new to this program, every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific time, my guests and I are here chatting in an effort to provide you with new ways to consider your relationships. I believe that almost every problem we have in our lives today started with some unresolved relationship challenge in the past. As a result, year to year, many of us carry all of our unresolved relationship challenges with us. What a burden. Please think of me and my guests as your relationship mentors. We're here to educate, challenge, and discuss relationship issues. We welcome your feedback and questions. I will be back to you with a response as soon as I possibly can if you send me a question, and you can write me at drannesiebert.com. This week, I had an interaction with someone that got me to thinking about masks. Yes, masks. Most of us have a variety of masks, that we wear, we have our work mask, our parent mask that we wear when we go visit our child's school, our dating mask, our competency mask, and then we can ask ourselves what masks do we wear. If you don't know how to determine that, think about what you're like at home. Do you drop all your masks at home so you can relax and be your authentic self? I know I do that. There are some days when I come home from work and I simply want to spend time with my cats or play a dumb game from the app store or hold my husband's hand without having a conversation. That is the real me. Many of us don't know what our authentic self is because we've worn our various masks for so long that we've suffocated the person who we naturally are. I want to share with you uh, an interaction that got me to think about masks, and I was at a training last weekend, and I happened to go to the back of the room to get a cup of coffee and some fruit, and standing there in the corner was a beautifully attired, middle-aged woman who smiled at me and said, it's really quiet back in this corner. I had no idea who this person was, and I agreed with her. I put my coffee on the counter where she was standing so I could go get my fruit. And when I returned, we exchanged a few other pleasantries, and the conversation ended with this woman commenting on how much she liked a bracelet I was wearing. And I thanked her and returned to my seat. End of conversation, end of relationship, or so I thought. During the training, this woman, who was a therapist, had reason to reveal her story that was riddled with one horrific tragedy after another. And as I sat in the audience, I recalled our social interaction in the back of the room. I had no idea that this lovely woman had been through anything she was talking about. She was wearing uh, the necessary professional mask when she talked to me. And when I learned her story, I got a glimpse of her authentic self. It was a self filled with grace, with understanding with empathy for others, and with forgiveness. Listeners, how many of us give the gift of sharing our authentic selves with those who we love and those who sometimes we don't even know? Granted, it's not always safe or appropriate to take our masks off, but sometimes it is. Many of us say to ourselves, Yeah, but if anyone knew the real me, they'd hate me. Would everyone hate you? I think not. Because every one of us out there was born with some wonderful talents and abilities. And if you find an opportunity that you deem is safe, take your mask off a little bit to see how you, the real you, is received. Take that risk. Aren't you tired of hiding out? Today's program is all about different kinds of masks, but more fun ones. I guess we could say it's about the evolution from mask to self. Our guest is Jan Lee Marshall, who is the artistic director of B8 Theater Company in Concord, California. And Jan Lee wears many masks. She's a graduate of the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Clown College, which I'm going to ask her about. And over the last 25 years, Jan Lee has directed over 30 productions, as well as served as actor, educator with key players of Northern Ca- North Carolina and Kaiser Permanente's educational touring program in the Washington, D.C. area. She received her bachelor's degree in theater from Ohio Wellesleyan University and her MFA in dramatic art from the University of California at Davis. In fact, our guest was an associate instructor at UC Davis. Currently, Jan Lee teaches acting, Theater History, Stage Makeup, and Diversity in Theater at Tolano Community College in Northern California. Jan Lee, it is amazing to have you as today's guest on Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio, and I want to welcome you to our program.
2: Thank you so much.
1: You are welcome, and you are a woman of so many talents and accomplishments. Did I leave anything out in my introduction
2: In terms of my professional accomplishments, I think you hit them all, but I would love to add, because it's something I'm proud of, that um, I've been married for 20 years, and I have two amazing teenage daughters.
1: (laughs) Well, that's a handful on top of everything else you do. I, I think that many of us would like to know about your experience as a clown. That seems like it would be the ultimate mask. And first of all, would you share a bit with us about why being a clown was of interest to you
2: uh, yes I, um, I became interested in clowning because of my work as an actor I was an intern at a company called Florida Studio Theater which was very near the Clown College Center at that time and I love comedy and I love physical comedy so I was very interested in the art of clowning and so that is what took me to apply to the, the Clown College and to learn about it because I'm a huge fan of people like Lucille Ball and Carol Burnett and the Muppets. So, so that's what um, first drew me to clowning.
1: What was Clown College like?
2: Clown College is amazing. It's very intense. It's very tiring uh the clown college that i attended no longer exists and so but it was this very intense program very fun but a lot of hard work a lot of physical work because you're doing so much physical comedy also you're figuring out who your clown is in every way physically your face your your makeup is your signature and so you're working every day from about seven in the morning until about seven at night, of course with breaks to eat and things like that, for about six days a week until the final week of the program, and then final couple of weeks it's more like seven days a week. Uh, and you're studying everything from uh, during meals watching cartoons or other or clown history to slaps and falls to gag development to skills like trying to walk on stilts and you sort of figure out what type of clown you are and so it's it's an incredible experience like none i've ever had and luckily the director from clown college when i was there is now the director at the circus center in san francisco so you can still get amazing clown training
1: i am so interested in this i'm wondering that if I understood you correctly, everybody has a specific clown?
2: Yes. Your clown... Your clown is really... um, Your clown is really who you are. It's very vulnerable. To know... to, To reveal your... To find your clown, people will talk about, oh, everyone has an inner clown. And your clown is probably more like your true self than most of the characters you would play as an actor on stage.
1: I think that's pretty fascinating. I have <laughs> never ever thought of that. And when Oops. you have your clown mask on, like uh, which I guess is your authentic self, but I'm going to call it a clown mask, what's it like for you as a person not to be you, but to be your clown?
2: It's you, the clown mask and Often we refer to the clown mask as the nose, uh, especially contemporary clowns don't wear as much makeup as, um, as, as clowns once did. So the no- it's sort of often referred to as the tiniest mask you'll ever wear because it's just the simple, you might just use a simple red nose. And so there's something very freeing about putting this nose on that allows you to be all the emotions in this very enlarged way, because clowns are bigger than life. So uh, you get to uh, experience all of this, all the things you want to experience or portray all the things you want to portray from a place that's exaggerated but also vulnerable. So, and that's why you see some clowns that um, are sad You see sad clowns or you see very, uh, you know, physical clowns. Uh, There's so many different kinds of clowns. And I find being a clown very fun, of course, and, and freeing, and it's really fun to create. I was a producing clown is what the title was called, which means I was more interested in creating work or gags, which would be scenes in the world of clown, then I was interested in learning juggling tricks or walking on stilts. Those were skill clowns. So the the returning, taking that, taking your nose off, which you never do in front of anyone. That's one of the keys to clowning is when you, when you put your nose on, no one can see you do it. And when you take your nose off, no one should see you do it. So it's it's
1: like the ritual.
2: Yes, and, and that's that's your time to to get what they call getting into face or coming out of face, and it's I, I think it's it's protected in a way because no one sees you as you when you have a clown nose on. You're a clown, but you get to be as free as you as you want to be.
1: So if we see a clown who's sad. We can mm-hmm. interpret that that there's some sadness in the person behind the mask.
2: I would say yes. There might be others that would disagree with me, but I would say yes.
1: Okay. Well, we're coming up on a hard break, Jan Lee Marshall, from the theater clowning college and a whole lot of other things that we will talk about when we return in about two minutes.
0: And I want to uh, thank you for listening to America's Web Radio. And uh, we're going to do our little live commercial and talk very briefly about the Tornado Body Dryer. And now I can really talk about it because mine's been installed. I use it every morning, and it works like a charm. If um, you have, other than just wanting it and liking it, but if uh, you have a problem drying off or toweling off or using a towel or bending over or any type of physical handicap that, that stops you from doing some of the things uh, that you would normally do in a shower or after your shower and drying off or picking something up, I highly recommend the Tornado Body Dryer. Just go online take a look at it. It installs right in your shower. And like I said, it works like a charm. And the nice thing, particularly in the South, is that as it's drying you off, and then I leave mine on for a few minutes after I get out of the shower, and it takes care of the mold and mildew. It dries your shower as well as you. So take a look at it, and uh, if you decide uh, you're interested, we'll just give them a call. They're in Indianapolis. So we'll be back with Dr. Ann and her guest,
3: or your loved one, can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
2: This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs.
1: Welcome back, listeners, to Dr. Anne's Relationship Radio here at AmericasWebRadio.com. Today we are privileged to have our guest, Jan Lee Marshall, with us. And we were just talking about clowning. And Jan Lee, will you share with us one of your funniest experiences clowning?
2: Okay, probably one of the funniest experiences I had was in Clown College. Where we wrote a gag about fish gutting. Uh, Alberto Ramirez, who was uh, my partner for the scene, and we wrote the scene which involved bringing in a giant fish and putting it on a big countertop to gut and all the crazy things that would come out of it. And in the presentation in front of the community that would come to the gag presentations every weekend and the rest of our class and our instructors, the fish would not stay put it was almost like we were dealing with a fish that we'd just taken out of water. It would not adhere to its Velcro. Mm-hmm. And, so, and you don't really talk in a gag because it's designed to be far away from people, and so it's all very big. And finally I had to yell at the fish to stay. <laughs> and it was a very funny moment, but I think what made it so enjoyable for me was that one of our instructors, Greg DeSanto, who is a brilliant clown, uh, yelled out, BTC, baby, BTC, which means big-time comedy. So stru- so struggling with a big, a giant fake foam fish uh, and trying to get it to stay in place and dealing with it in the moment um, still is one of my sort of most treasured memories and also one of my funniest.
1: I would love to have seen that. Given your background, I suspect our listeners would love to know about the theater. What started your love for the theater?
2: Uh, I think my love for the theater started as a very, very small kid. Uh, my family went to the theater. We lived in a small town in Indiana, and we went to the community players. We There was things happening at the school. So I always went to see with my family, whatever was happening. So I feel like I have always loved the theater. I remember my first performance in the first grade. I danced the waltz in the class play that was set in colonial America. (laughs) Mm. And my first first tears over not getting the part I wanted were actually in the fourth grade when I didn't get cast as the mother in the Exploring the West play. So (laughs) I think... I've, once the bug bit me, which was very early, I've stayed in it. And, you know, there are other people who would say that my parents' profession had a lot to do with my interest in performing because both my parents are pastors. And although most pastors say they're not performing, there is definitely a performance element to, to, to preaching. So uh, I was just sort of always interested in the theater And although when I went to college, I was determined to be a psychology major and a theater minor, and it only took about one semester, and I was like, I'm going to switch those. (laughs) (laughs) And I stayed
1: with my psychology major. So would you tell us a bit about the history of the theater? I think many of our listeners might be very interested in that.
2: Sure. Theater history is it, it really goes back to the beginning of time, because theater is storytelling, and humans have been telling their stories in different ways for as long as, as we can find, you know, as long as we can study. So when you teach theater history in, in the beginning, you usually start with the Greeks, but one of the things we talk about is where, why, why are we always, as human beings, sharing our stories? And so it really, you know, it goes back and then you can just continue. And one of the things that I say to my students when we're talking about theater history is look at who's writing this history. Because most of our theater history is written right now um, by white men have written the most of theater history. That's starting to change. So I continually say to them, let's look at who's writing history, no matter if it's theater history or if it's different history, so that we know the gaze that it's coming from, because we can pursue the same period of history potentially through another gaze. We just have to find that historian or become that historian, you know, if that's if that's something people are super interested in. So have to put it
1: in a context.
2: Yes. So. Go ahead.
1: I wanted to ask you, you've directed and acted in so many productions with the historical background of your knowledge, and I think we know what an actor does, but what does a director do exactly?
2: A director has to have a vision for the production. We have to know what... What is what is it we're trying to do with a particular production? Are we doing something special or are we doing it in a traditional way? And then we have to be able to articulate that vision to all of our actors and to all of our designers and to our crew. And then we have to work with all those people to make it happen from, you know, casting to getting through all the rehearsals to making sure all the pieces come together. I once had a stage manager, a very young stage manager, say to me when I was directing in an academic setting, people kept coming in and asking me questions during a rehearsal. And she turned to me and she said, you have to know everything. (laughs) And I said, well, I don't have to know everything, but in terms of this production, I do, because it's my vision. So it's really an opportunity. The great thing about being a director is it's an opportunity to bring people together in this great collaboration. And that's what the theater is. It's a collaborative art. So you're always working with others, and I love that.
1: And it's all about relationships, isn't it?
2: It is. It is. You create these relationships with people uh, that last for years and years and years.
1: I can imagine that. And also, as a, a theater fan, I create a relationship with the actors on the stage, in my own mind, that um, is almost goes to a spiritual place if I'm really into the play or the musical.
2: Yes, because we want—that's one of our—that's, I mean, I think that's our greatest goal—is this relationship that we, we we create with the audience. We are creating this environment, this world, for them to come and be in with us for, you know, somewhere between 90 minutes to two hours, maybe with a classical piece, two and a half hours. You don't see long plays so much anymore. Uh, but we want you to come in and be in relationship with us. And when when that's achieved, I think that both the audience and the actors are having a really wonderful shared experience.
1: I know I do when I go to the theater. And I was curious because you've been so many things in in the theater realm. What do you like better being a director or an actor?
2: Oh, that's hard. I think Something it depends in- it, I think it depends on the, on the show. There are particular plays or roles that I have really wanted to play or you know, or I still really want to play, so if that was something that was on the horizon, I would obviously want to act. But then there are other roles that I get very, very excited about directing. So it's, uh, that's a tricky question because I do love both, but both are very, very different, and you do have to take off the director hat when you're being an actor because you're, you're not out there where you can see it all you have to stay in the moment as the actor. So, um, And sometimes that's tricky. Sometimes that's hard. Uh, so I really, when I was in my 20s, I would have said hands down, I love acting more. But now that I'm a little more mature and a little more experienced, I have to say I really enjoy both, and it just depends on the project.
1: Okay. We, in about two minutes, we're coming up on a hard break, but I was wondering if you could just briefly tell us about your favorite role and why you liked it.
2: Oh, gosh. There's probably more than one, but one that goes back years is Bananas from House of Blue Leaves. And that is a character who was in the play. She's seen as the person who is mentally ill, but as the actor playing her, I see her as the most honest truth teller in the piece it's a tragic comedy and it's by John Guare. I played the role when I was 20 and I promised myself I would play it again when I was in my 40s because the character is in her 40s and I actually was able to do that so that role um, plays a special holds a special place in my heart but I have a long list of favorites
1: sounds <laughs> a little bit like, I think it was Jack Nich- Nicholson who played One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and he mm-hmm. was the truth teller. Yes. Sort of like what you're, just, you're describing. And give us a peek at the types of relationships that are formed on and off the stage. And I actually I'm going to ask you to hold that answer because we have to go to a break. Listener, okay. we'll be back in about two minutes with Jan Lee Marshall, artist, clown, actor director extraordinaire we will be right back cook immigration partners is your passport through the immigration maze whether it's help with e verifying in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new i-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national cook immigration partners is your best choice for a legal advocate call us today at 866-286-6200 That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers, Timothy and the Guys column. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctors' Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back, listeners. We are here with Jan Lee Marshall, who is the Artistic Director for B8 Theater Group in Concord, California. We are talking about the theater and relationships and masks today. And coming back to my question that I was going to ask you before the break, what is it like for you to become the person of the theater character you play and then return to the real you?
2: It depends on the role because with some roles, it's it could be almost a relief to be able to be off stage and to not be in character if you are in something that's in, incredibly intense. Uh, and I think as actors, we we go on and off stage. And I am not an actor who you know stays in character for days at a time, or I enter the theater and I'm in character and I can't come out of character until after curtain call. I think those, those actors are very rare, and that's, um, for me, I don't know how I could stay healthy <laughs> doing that. So um, we have the ability to, you know, to come off stage, and we do so much preparation. You know, there's so much rehearsal and homework that we do for every character that we play that it becomes easy to step in and trust ourselves that we are this character for this time period and that we can think and react in character on stage and then step out off stage and what we usually are the first thing we do is criticize what we've just done (laughs) which is not good uh... the key is to keep the critic quiet and to be true to the moment but if you do mess up a line or something happens The first thing that happens when you come off stage is, oh, I couldn't get the sweater on. I was tangled up on stage, you know. So when things like that happen, that's the first thing we go to when we come off. Uh, And sometimes there's a little bit of what I call an emotional hangover when you come off stage. If you've been in a piece that's particularly dramatic or sad or you've been in a piece that's particularly exciting or fun, you come off and you're no longer in character, but you're left with this residual uh, feeling, which is uh, usually really lovely because it reminds you that you were truly present on stage.
1: It's sort of like a reflection of life. I know when I go to work, I do just what you said in my professional capacity. It's not playing a role but it's also a professional person that I am, and when I walk away from my job, I sometimes bring it home with me and sometimes leave it at the clinic. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how the theater can reflect life. Give us a peek at the types of relationships that are formed on and off stage.
2: In the theater, we really become a family. Every cast has its own dynamic and usually everyone becomes very, very close because we are allowing ourselves to be really honest on stage. We allow ourselves to go to really vulnerable places. So all the dynamics that you find in a family, you can also find in the theater. And usually we're like, this is our theater family, and that's a really good thing. But that doesn't mean that we don't have those moments where we're snipping at each other (laughs) either. But we do, we do allow ourselves to be really vulnerable with each other, and we really support each other because it is so collaborative. So, and in some ways, it's probably more collaborative than some families. Our theater families may be more collaborative because we have this goal, this production that is going to happen, and then it's going to end. And there's often, you know, what we call post-show blues, after a show closes, because we're missing those members of the theater family that we've worked with. And you also then, you might work with the same people again in another production or in another theater, and those relationships grow and build. So we really share a lot in the theater with one another. And, of course, some relationships are strictly, you know, we're just acting, or, or I'm a designer and I come in and I do this and they may not uh, feel as connected, but I actually know a number of designers that I've worked with repeatedly who I definitely would include in that feeling of the theater family. And that's true everywhere you go in the theater. You will find these theater families.
1: In listening to you, Jan Lee, I'm sitting here wishing that we could think about producing a family production before we have kids, like what do we want our kids to turn out like, instead oh, yeah. of doing the day-to-day discipline and disappointments, but have a more of a theater overview like you were talking about. I just think that's a brilliant idea for families, and it just popped into my head listening to you. We, well, you could. we were talking, Yeah, when we were talking a few days before this program, you spoke to me about the different relationships that you have with the tools of the trade and i've never given a thought to the tools of this trade other than maybe a script would you tell our listeners about the relationships or the relationship you have with books
2: I, <laughs> my family will say i have an unhealthy relationship with books <laughs> because they're all over the house i i love books because i'm also an instructor i have a lot of books about the theater, theater history, stage makeup, all of those things there are books and I love actual books not electronic books I like to be able to write in my books or put flags in my books so uh, I do use the Kindle for things like just novels or strictly enjoyment but things that are related to the theater I want to have tangible in my hand and I have many of them and I won't get rid of a single one I (laughs) I, because I, I might need it. There might be a project where I need to go back to that or I need to share that information with a student, and so I keep all my books.
1: And is that the same with your scripts?
2: Oh, my goodness, yes. Scripts, I can't get rid of a single script, uh, whether it's something I directed or something I've acted in or something I've read because I might want to direct it someday. And I, that the script pile, which is not a pile, it's shelves upon shelves of scripts at this point, will just continue to grow. There's I, I, No one can stop me. I need, so I
1: need of the of the of trade That's great. The other topic that you are really an expert in is stage makeup, and I know nothing about it, but what I do know is that in real life, I'd sure like to look like some of those actresses on the stage, and I don't. They all look amazing. What are some of the secrets of Stage makeup.
2: Practice. (laughs) Well, I mean, one of the biggest secrets is really um, practicing putting on the makeup, finding the right uh, tone or, or shade in the makeup that works for you, listening to your lighting designer, because your lighting designer can make you look good or can make you not look good. Or and if you're in if you're in Tech Week, which is the week right before the show opens, they're not going to ask the lighting designer to change the the lighting. They've already gone through a process where this has been chosen. They might be adjusting the lighting, but they're not going to completely change it. So if your makeup isn't looking good under that lighting, it's much easier for the actor to adjust their makeup than for the designer to adjust the lights. So one of the things to do is practice. Also, a lot of people now for stage, depending on the character and depending on the company and how large it is, their makeup might be done with airbrush, which when I was a student, we didn't even cover airbrush. I just started working with an airbrush more recently, and I had to learn to do that. And it gives this very you know, finished look that is sort of flawless. And there are people who use airbrush for their daily makeup. You can buy them and use them at home. Uh, it's just, And, again, it just takes practice to find what works for you and how to apply it. So, but that's the, those people that look flawless, they may be in, in an airbrush um, makeup. But when you see those people off stage, if they still have all their stage makeup on, you would go, oh, my goodness, that's a lot of makeup because the stage lights wash it, wash it out. So they may look flawless or perfect on stage, but you wouldn't want to do your makeup like that at home. Okay, and I don't, I don't but I
1: sure like to look like many of them. Uh, again, in our conversation that we had a few days before this program, you said, and I think I'm quoting you correctly, or maybe not, um, that you said that you believe that the theater can change the world. Comment on that.
2: I, I have believed that since the first time I think I had to write a paper in college defending why I was studying the theater, and I still believe it, although really recently I, I read or heard someone else, they said it better, I wish I could remember where I read it, and they said, theater can change people who change the world. And so that's about affecting people and um, making a difference and making theater that causes people to think and think about how we treat each other because we get to watch these relationships on stage. So if you see that and you go away from the theater and you feel like you want to talk about it or you need to talk about it, then the theater has really done its job.
1: It's just such an amazing concept and i'm somewhat of a theater buff and i've noticed that simplistically put because i don't have the theater language that you do much of the historic theater was about romantic love accompanied by a lot of singing and dancing like i think of 42nd street or the pajama game or singing in the rain which are antiques now or phantom of the opera and on the other hand Theater's also been on the cutting edge of addressing life as it really is, and I'm thinking about Shakespeare did that, a current Broadway hit titled Far From Away, which really touched my heart, and other productions like Hamilton and Rent and Miss Saigon. Has theater changed over time? What's your perspective of that? And if so, how has it changed?
2: Theater, absolutely changes over time, and it will continue to change because, and, and I think you said this earlier, it is reflecting our society, and so theater will always be showing us things that are happening in our world, and I think musical theater, it perhaps took a little bit longer to get to some of the more socially conscious themes in the musicals, although they're like even you know wicked is people say oh it's the story uh, you know before the wizard of oz but it's really says a lot about relationships and how we treat each other and and judgment and all of those things and then of course you have hamilton where you're you know looking at our history through a different gaze of a racial gaze and so that's really important so everything that we do and the plays have been doing it for years like you say Shakespeare and many plays throughout time so it is becoming more and more prevalent and whether you're seeing something really serious presented through comedy or something really dramatic it's always going to reflect our society and it's just a matter of um, having enough time to see all the stories
1: <laughs> yes and when I go to the theater I'm thinking about what am I going to learn what's this about and I'm purposely don't do any research on what I'm going to see because I want to take away my own message. And on that note, as we're speaking, it occurs to me that perhaps there is a message to be learned from every script and every theater production, no matter how light and fun it might appear. And it seems like you agree with that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Every every show has something to say or has something they want you to get. And I agree with the way you see theater. I love seeing theater that I don't know anything about because you get that very experience. You get you get your experience, which is which is wonderful.
1: I think so too. We're coming up on a break, listeners. We will be back with the artistic director for B8 Theater Company in Cal- Concord, California after these messages.
0: And once again, I want to remind everybody to uh, take a look at the Tornado Body Dryer. Just go online, TornadoBodyDryer.com, and uh, not as a pun, but I think the site will blow you away. That's uh, that's what I've heard from many, many people. They, they just can't believe that there's something like this on the market that they had never heard about. The Tornado Body Dryer. Look into it. You may want one in your bathroom. It's about... Uh, In my opinion, it's probably the neatest thing that's uh, evolved in uh, bathrooms since indoor plumbing. Anyway, give it a look, Tornado Body Dryer. And we'll be back with Dr. Ann and her guest in just a couple of minutes. Your auto love and investment demands the best. And for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport.
1: My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more
0: and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back, listeners. We are here talking about relationships, the theater, the evolution of the theater with Jan Lee Marshall, who is the artistic director for B-8 Theater Company in Concord, California. Jan Lee, I know that diversity in the theater is an interest of yours, and when I think about theater and diversity, I think about the theater's way of bringing societal wrongs and problems to light it seems to me that the theater can get to the soul of the matter. Would you instruct us about this?
2: There is a great privilege in the theater to be able to tell stories and put anyone's story on stage. And it gives the audience the opportunity to be the fly on the wall, to be the one peeking in through the keyhole to that world. So as theater evolves and we see more and more of our society's communities represented on stage, whether it's African-American theater or Latinx theater or theater of um, You're Native voices. To America's Web Radio so, on the Ameri- it allows us to cross-view the world, which I think is really important because as you look back on theater, it was there was sort of the same type of people writing and producing theater for so many years and now in the last 20 years more and more voices are getting onto the stage and I think it's amazing because we learn about these different communities and we're all in this world together we're all living here together but we're not all having the same experience so when we can see and feel those experiences and realize oh that experience may be really different from mine, but now I understand it. Or in other cases, that's not the community I live in, but that experience is similar. So it really can bring us together and sort of build bridges.
1: I think the theater is really uh, a way to have a commentary on today's world in so many different faces or masks called characters. It's such a privilege to go to the theater and watch different viewpoints and the diversity of it all. I just quite love it. I'm curious, in your current position as Artistic Director for B8 Theater, what exactly do you do?
2: (laughs) I do many things, but uh, probably the key things that I do are to to select the season of what plays we're going to do gather the directors, I sometimes direct, I try to direct one to two of the shows a year, but I don't want to direct all of them, I want to bring other directors in. I participate in the casting of the productions, and I have the opportunity to develop education programs and community outreach, and of course, I get to be involved in fundraising.
1: <laughs> well, that was never fun for me, but... I used to do that for some philanthropic organizations, and
2: that's a hard part of the job. It's a very hard part of the job, and unfortunately, in in our country right now, the arts are suffering everywhere. And so, it's it's a big part of our job. And I have an amazing board of directors that works with me and a team, and so we're we're constantly um, asking individuals and corporations and groups. For support and money so that we can continue to make theater that's affordable one of our goals as a company is to make theater that's accessible uh because theater prices tickets to theater are so high so a lot of a lot of people don't get to go to the theater because it's it's not it's not doable so we want to stay reasonably priced so that everyone i can think
1: come. we should have a theater scholarship for people who need to go to the theater and can't afford it, but that's my personal opinion that nobody asked for. (laughs) I like (laughs) it. Okay. Tell us a bit about B8 Theater Company. How did it get its name, and and, uh, what is it?
2: B8 Theater Company, the original company started in 1989 as New Urban Dance Company, and they were more dance-oriented and that was with uh, artistic director John Butterfield. And then when they started going towards more what we call straight theater plays instead of dance, they changed the name to Butterfield 8 after John's last name. So when John uh, moved on to do and make theater in New Zealand and sort of handed the baton to me, the ensemble decided, let's go by our nickname, which is B8, which was short for Butterfield, Butterfield 8. So we chose eight core values that we are and that we ask our audiences to be with us. So B8 really means be inclusive, be creative, be engaged, be connected, be heard, be generous, be curious, be brave.
1: What a great So that's plot. what
2: yeah. – I was just going to say yeah. that's what B8 means.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Is it written somewhere? Like going to your website, is it written there? Those core.
2: Yes, you right. can you can find it on our website. Absolutely.
1: And where can we see B8 Theater Company perform?
2: You well. Interestingly enough, we just lost our home. We've been oh. in downtown Concord in a uh, renting a space for two and a half years but that space is going to be developed into um, an apartment community. So we're actually in the search of a new home, but our temporary space for our next production will be at the Concord Historical Society on Clayton Road at at 1928 Clayton Road in Concord, California. So we have um, a temporary space for the next production and we will hopefully find another temporary space or the same one for we have pinned butterfly which is a world premiere which it will open on april 5th in downtown concord and it, in, it is the story of the erasure of the bisexual within the lgbtqia community and then we have midsummer night's dream in june that we'll find a home for that we're in the process of finding a home for and then we're of course raising money so that we can get another space and, and settle in again
1: Yes, well, it's so important that that happened, and I wish you well in that endeavor. How do you select what scripts you're going to do for your plays?
2: There's a few ways. I read a lot of plays, and often one will jump out at me, you know, we have to do this, this totally fits our mission. Or um, also directors will propose things. They'll they'll come in with a proposal, you know, I want to do this show with your company, this would be great. So that's another way. And then the other way is we also promote new works. We do a new work staged reading series in the summer where we do fully staged readings of at least four new works. And Pinned Butterfly, this play that we're, we're about to go into producing, was in our first staged reading series in our current, in the space that we're just leaving. So it's a great way to discover new works because it comes to life on stage. You have actors and a director working together for a week, and then they read it for audiences three times for feedback. And that's a great way to discover new works. We've had at least one new work in each of our seasons since uh, since 2015.
1: I was also curious because I am a silent wannabe actress. <laughs> <laughs> what are the
2: qualifications needed to join a community theater? I would say the, the biggest qualifications that theater groups are interested in seeing are energy, <laughs> uh, generosity of time and talent, and the willingness to learn. Uh, and uh, that comes from, especially if you're someone who feels like, oh, I've always had a knack for this, but I've never done it, uh, if there are classes being offered, you know, try and participate in the classes, it'll make you much more comfortable when you go to an audition and and never be disappointed to take a small role because we always say in the theater there are there are no small parts, only small actors and sometimes those small roles are the best. They they can be the most fun, sometimes they can be the most memorable. And also they're a great way to learn. When I was a freshman in college, the first role I had was a non speaking role, but I never left the stage for the entire play. So Well
1: my fear is like do you have to memorize the scripts verbatim?
2: You do. That's our goal. We <laughs> we hmm. wanna honor you know, we wanna honor the playwright's words and so we do our very best to learn the lines. But you practice so much And there's stage managers who give you line notes. So, and we're not an equity house. Equity actors will be fined. They can be fined if they don't say the words verbatim. And actors try, every actor tries their hardest to get every word correct. And every actor makes mistakes. We're human. But the audience audience doesn't usually know.
1: Well, the audience probably wouldn't know if you have somebody who knows how to cover well. (laughs) But... Right, But everybody on stage knows if you uh, make a mistake, and is, I guess that would be really hard. And Jan Lee, if people would like to reach out to you, how would they go about it?
2: They can they can actually email me directly, Jan Lee, J-A-N-L-E-E, at B8theater. Theater is spelled with an R-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org. Or they can call B8 and talk to me. I love to talk about theater, (laughs) 925-890-8877. That's also a way to get um, tickets. And uh, they can also visit our website and learn more about us that way at www.b8theater.org.
1: Well, I hope somebody reaches out to you locally from our local listeners with a new site idea. And for those of us we have an international audience, I I hope that you all support your community theater. Jan Lee, I want to thank you so very much for enlightening all of our listeners about the theater and how it portrays and affects relationships. Listeners, you've been listening to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. Theater is an instructor about the masks we wear in our everyday life. It is a mirror that reflects some of our daily challenges. It touches our souls. What kind of character do you play as you walk through your day? When do you take off your character mask and really allow yourself to be you? Until next week, this is Dr. Ann Shebert reminding you that only you can create the world the way you want it to be.